perfect in all his ways. I may not understand all his ways. And sometimes I get real prideful and I might not agree with all his ways. But he is perfect in all his ways. We may not always get what we want, but he always gives us what we need. Amen. Come on and put your hands together for Jesus in this place. He is a good, good father. Amen. Accept your ways, my Lord Jesus. We would submit ourselves to the process, dear God, to 
what you're walking us through, dear God, knowing that we are not forsaken, my Lord God, and knowing that we are not alone, dear God, because you are a good, good Father, and you are with us always. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. He is good. So uh, you may have a seat in the presence of the Lord. I wanted to thank Bishop for the opportunity to uh, come and, uh, and speak a message um, today. And uh, before we do that, I want to go ahead and dismiss our kids, the core kids. Give your parents a kiss. Tell them you love them. They're so beautiful. So last week's message was uh, redeemed to connect, right? Or connected to redeem. And this redeemed to connect. Thank you. And this week is connected to redeem. Thank you, Bishop. Um, so uh, y'all know that I love to laugh, right? And I love to joke around all the time. Even when it's inappropriate, as my wife can attest, I love to laugh. Can I tell you a short story real quick? Is that okay? Okay, so uh, last week sometime, and this is how much, I just want to go ahead and tell you how much I love to joke. So last week, um, my son, who is an incredible individual, I love that boy. If there is, if you look up the term boy in the dictionary, there he is, just wild and crazy, because that's my boy. Um, and I love him like that. I wouldn't want him any other way. So my boy has this tendency to run to his mother and, um, and abuse her. <laughs> so she's in the kitchen doing something, washing dishes or, you know, cooking or something. And I see him run up to her and he is standing right on her feet. Now she's not wearing any shoes or socks or anything like that. And he's wearing his shoes, like his combat boot shoes. Uh, and so he stands on top of her foot and just, mm, just turns his foot on top of her foot. And my reaction, right, when my wife screams in agony, let me tell you what my reaction should have been. Babe, are you all right? Are you okay? So that's the appropriate, men, that is the appropriate reaction, okay? My reaction was to laugh. I was like, you know, he is stepping all over your feet. That's crazy. <laughs> she didn't like that. <laughs> she didn't like that. And, uh, and we, we had a conversation. We connected. And... Uh, <laughs> fellowship. Right, yes. One-on-one -on -one discipleship. Um, Needless to say, I am working on that. So that's how much I love to laugh. Now, this message that I am going to preach is not going to make you laugh, unfortunately. So, but I hope that it will make you think. Because if it's another thing that I like to do is I like to, I like to think as well. So that being said, let's begin. So. I want to go ahead and read from the uh, book of Acts, chapter 2, if you would turn there with me. 
We're going to begin reading in, the ver- in verse uh, 42. And when you got to say so. Okay, well, I'll wait for you then. All right. So beginning in verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly. Say steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed together, I'm sorry, now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So if you had a handout, this is what the handout would say. <laughs> that was my bad. I was late. Um, it says, we as Christians have been changed by the gospel. At least we should be, right? Anybody gets, that gets hit by a Mack truck should be changed, right? I'm just saying. There should be some change in their life. Our lives should be marked by Christ's redeeming work. The change should be evident in the way in which we live, work, and play. It is not enough to have an upward relationship with God and an inward relationship with fellow Christians. We are commanded, by say commanded, we are commanded by Jesus to participate in the harvest of souls. Amen? We've been invited to participate. Earlier, I was... Um, I was uh, I shared a, shared a, a, a thought. Um, I like to work on things. My wife likes me to work on things, and my kids like to help. Help. But it's amazing because their desire to help daddy is so high. My son not not so much, but my daughter yes. She just wants to be involved in in. Uh, and she wants to help me. And so when I think about Christ's redeeming work and our role, we're imperfect people. We are. But how awesome it is that God invites us into his redeeming work. Because I know that you're imperfect, but I'm going to use you anyway for my glory. Amen? That should be encouraging, right? It's like, man, you know what? Even though I'm imperfect... I'm a mess at times. I'm a work in progress, but God can still use me, amen, for the benefit of the kingdom. So, the first question is, how did the first church impact the culture with the gospel corporately? So, the church impacted the culture economically. Money talks, right? So, we see in this Roman society in which the church was in, we see a system in which the rich people helped out, did help out the poor people, but at a cost. They say, I'm going to help you, but you've got to go ahead and honor me. You've got to say how amazing I am, how great I am, how much of a philanthropist that I am. This was the Roman system. It's a patronage system, right? They buy honor. 
if you bought enough honor, you go ahead and get it elevated. You're, you know, this amazing guy, right? You're so good to the less fortunate. Notoriety. I don't know about you, but I love an attaboy. When I clean my kitchen and my wife isn't around, the first thing that I want when she walks into the kitchen, say, wow, mira esto. My counters, they're old, but they're clean. My stove, wow. She did the sink. Look at this. It's beautiful. Then, puff on my chest and say, yeah, girl. <laughs> Sing my praises. <laughs> Sing them. I love an attaboy. There is my, my reward, isn't it? It's right there. It's evident. But this first century church, it wasn't like that. They gave to one another as each one had need. They weren't looking for an attaboy. They weren't looking for any honor. Like, no, we're nobody. We're, we're just trying to help each other out. We're just trying to grow the community of believers out of the gratitude for Christ's redeeming work, we're going to help one another. How can you be in need? You be my brother. How could I see you in need? If the gospel has changed me, if the gospel has transformed me, then I should be moved with compassion when I see you going through what I see you. Now, I do want to say this. It's not just money, right? Because some of us, we ain't got no money. It is what it is. We got too much month and not enough paycheck. <laughs> but we do have time, do we not? We're all given 24 hours a day. How are you spending that? Are you spending it investing in the kingdom? Are you helping your brothers out? Are you saying, you know what? I might not be able to give you something, but I, these hands, they're at your disposal. What do you need? How can I help you? What can I do? This is the heart that these people had. They had all things in common. So the rich people, the, the ones that were more affluent, they would help the other people, but not to gain honor, but so that they knew that they were connected, that they were cared for because of Christ's redeeming work in their own lives. It was for the good of the community. What else can we say? In Acts chapter 19, there's a story about a guy named Demetrius. Everybody say Demetrius. That's how they say it in Greek. Just saying how they do it. Maybe. So Demetrius was a, he was a silversmith. He worked with silver, and uh, he was from a place called Ephesus. And so Demetrius was upset. Man was tight. He was a businessman. Or a businessman. And his business was creating little miniature figures of this 
place, this temple of Artemis or Diana, who is the goddess of fertility. Mm -hmm. And so this place, right, it attracted many people. It was one of the wonders or the seven wonders of the ancient world, this temple. So it was a tourist trap. That's what it was. <laughs> and he was making money because he was building these little figurines and selling it to the pilgrims that would come. But what happened? Well, what had happened was the gospel happened. Epa. Yeah. That Spanish for oh. I'm teaching y'all. I'm teaching y'all. So the gospel was spreading through Asia, and this is the area where the people would flock from to Ephesus, see this temple. And so because the gospel was flourishing in the area, people weren't coming. So you know what happens? People don't come. It cuts into the prophets. And he's like, oh, no, we can't have this. Demetrius was like, uh, this gospel? No, negative. It's not compatible with my money. So, because of the gospel, because people were getting saved, it was impacting this area economically. Isn't that crazy? When's the last time that because the church decided not to participate in something that people were challenged or people were affected economically? It caused a recession in the area. This was crazy. But because people were getting saved, people were in the gospel, they were participating in these kind of things, and it was affecting the culture in the area. This guy was upset, caused a riot up in Ephesus. It was nuts. When's the last time we caused a riot? I don't know. I don't know. So economically, socially, Socially, the, the gospel broke social barriers. So we see Philip, who witnesses to an Ethiopian eunuch. Eunuchs were outcasts, social outcasts. But it didn't matter. The gospel didn't discriminate, did it? It was inclusive. This is for all. Philip also witnessed to the Samaritans. Now, the Samaritans and Jews, we, they did not get along. They hated each other. But the gospel broke that barrier as well. We see Peter, right? I love Peter. He's crazy, kind of like me. Mm-hmm. But... Peter is, uh, he, he gets hungry, so now he's, I know he's human like me too. He gets hungry and he goes to, up to the roof of a place that he's staying at, and he has a vision. And this vision is a sheet that comes down, and in there he sees some unclean animals. God tells him, Peter, kill, eat. And he notices, these are unclean animals. Lord, far be it from me. I cannot eat these things. I love Peter. I mean, how is it that God tells him to do one thing? He's like, nah, God, come on, man. You know I can't eat that. Come on, please. Now, God comes and tells me, although I need you to jump this high, you know what I'm going to do, right? 
I am going to jump that high. If he tells me, although you need to go there, I'm just, I'm going to go there, especially if it's audible, right? I mean, come on now. I'd be scared. I'd be like, oh, whatever you want. <laughs> just tell me. But God tells him not to call those things that he's called clean, unclean. So then he wakes up from the vision. Some men from uh, Cornelius' house, a centurion, right? Not a Jew. They come and they say, Peter, you know, the Lord appeared, the angel of the Lord appeared to our master. He wants you to come. So Peter's like, all right, let's do it tomorrow. <laughs> he wasn't traveling at night. Let's do it tomorrow. So they, they go. He takes a couple people from uh, where he's at, and he arrives over at Cornelius' house. And he tells him, he's like, now this is the Aldo translation, okay? He's like, now look here. Cornelius. Every time I say Cornelius, I think of the rooster with the cornflakes. <laughs> that night, that ain't got nothing to do with what we're talking about. But anyway, so he says, look here, Cornelius. Says, I don't normally associate with, with you people. But God told me to come, so here I am. So then he sits down and Cornelius gathers, you know, he, Cornelius is, is funny. He's like me. He's like, listen, the more the merrier. You know, not just my family, but we're going to go and gather some other people around here because we're about to hear a message, the message of all messages. So Peter starts talking to him, starts sharing the gospel with him. In the middle of him sharing the gospel, the Holy Spirit falls on all those people. Now, none of these people are Jewish now, Gentiles. And so the people, the Jews that were with Peter, they're like, what happened? ¿Qué pasó? Holy Spirit fell on, on the Gentiles. Crossing barriers, wouldn't you say? Crossing barriers. So, next point. How can we imitate the first church? Because they had it down, right? I'm just saying, even in their imperfections or whatever, I mean, miracles were happening. It was crazy. Numbers were being added to them daily. I mean, that's what I want. Not for the sake of numbers, but for the sake of the gospel impacting people's lives. You know, people not going to hell, but coming into the fellowship of the gospel, being saved. There's no one that we lock eyes with that doesn't need Jesus. Amen? Everyone, everyone that we see. No matter if they look clean, dirty, tall, short, big and small, old, young, all of them, they all need Christ. So, what did they do? In Acts chapter 2, which we read verses 42 through 46, we see the first thing is that they remain in the gospel's doctrine, in the apostles' doctrine. So, when we live according to what Christ commands, our very lives bear witness to the power of the gospel. So we need to be scholars of God's word. We can't just be casual readers. We need to be those that are well-versed in the word. It's not just for leaders, but it's for all of us. Why? Because 
the places that you go, I cannot go. Places where I go, you can't go. Because you ain't got a badge. You got a badge in. So we're all called to lead in a certain capacity, right? So we need to be well-versed in the word. We need to be students, scholars of the truth. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. John 14.21 says, If you love me, you will obey my commands. We obey Christ's commands out of gratitude for what he's done for us. So I started thinking about this whole studying God's word. And I was reminded of a conversation that I had with a coworker of mine. Um, I'm actually in school right now. I'm pursuing my bachelor's of science degree. I've been in school for like the last 20 years. Usually you call those people doctors, but you know, <laughs> whatever. So I'm pursuing my bachelor's degree. And, uh, and so is this, this young lady that I work with. And we were talking about a class that we that she had taken the semester before, and I'm taking currently this semester. And um, and I'm like, man, that textbook that they have is so well written. It's got so much information. You know, it's just it's just a good book. I'm learning a lot. And she's like, oh, that's good. And I said, what you know, what did you think about it? She's like, about what? I said about the book. She's like, oh, I I didn't read it. I'm like, hold up. You took this class, and you did not open this book. She's like, yes. And you passed the class? She's like, yeah. I mean, I kind of went ahead and fed off of what like, other people were saying and what other people did and what they got from it, and I was able to kind of get by. Now, me, I'm a student, right? I am a scholar. And so I read the book. Scholar is just another word for nerd. That's why I got glasses. So, I know, that's terrible. Um, so I read the entire book. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to read the whole thing. And so she's like, wow, that's amazing. And I was appalled, though. I was like, how did you pass this class that you didn't even crack open this text? Shameful. But then I started thinking, right? I'm like, man, I spend an average of about 15 to 20 hours a week studying. I got to get an A. I got to do good. For something that's for here. So then the Spirit of God said, how much time do you spend studying your word like that? I was so ashamed. So I'm going to ask you the same question. Because there are times, right, that we spend on Pinterest, on Facebook, Twitter. There are times that we go ahead and spend researching because we we like to play you know fellas we like to and some ladies you like to play fantasy football fantasy basketball you like to go ahead and keep up with your teams how much research do you do how much time do you spend doing that compared to the time that you spent studying god's word something that has eternal implication sobering isn't it 
make you feel terrible, doesn't it? Made me feel terrible too. Welcome. Welcome. Knowledge is not enough. We have to be able to apply the knowledge. James 2.26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. It's not enough to know the commands, but we must obey the commands. Not because we're trying to earn something, but out of gratitude for what God has already done for us. Amen? Amen. Next is prayer. We need to consistently gather together in prayer. It's crazy. I see everybody here, right? Do you guys know when we have corporate prayer? Do you guys know the time? Anybody? 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 1045 and... 845, that's correct. Now, 1045 and 845, do you know how many people we have at 845 and 1045? Sobering, isn't it? Doesn't exactly give you a fun, happy feeling. And then we wonder why we, as a body, are not seeing the things that we see in the book of Acts. Is it not self-evident? We are committed, but we're not that committed. We want it, but we don't want it that bad. This is an option, right? It's not a necessity. Because if we see it as a necessity, it will get done. I got to eat. It's a need. You know what I do? I eat. I need to sleep. You know what I do? I sleep. I need to breathe. And you know what I do? I breathe. Hopefully, I breathe. We see the power of prayer. Acts chapter 12, we see a story of Peter. Peter's in prison after witnessing. And it's crazy because after he's in prison, people get saved. I'm like, man, that's crazy. As he's, as he's being hauled away, people are like, yes, I want Jesus. Nuts. But they gather together and they pray. They're, they're together in prayer. And then there is a div- divine jailbreak. An angel comes and guides Peter out. Peter thinks he's having a vision. So he's out. He's like, oh, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. I didn't even need a lawyer. I'm out. It's amazing. Acts chapter 4, the church prays for boldness to speak God's word, for healing and for signs and wonders to be done through the name of Jesus Christ. And you know what happened after that? The word says that the ground shook. I don't know about y'all, but I ain't never been to a prayer meeting where the ground shakes. Ever. Ever. I've been saying a long time. I've been saying for like 20 years. Even before then, when my parents used to drag me to church, I mean take me to church. Take me, guide me. Um, I never seen the ground shake. Never felt the ground shake. Prayer. It didn't say concert there, did it? No. Sit in prayer. <laughs> in prayer. Amazing. Last. Why are upward and inward growth not enough? Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It's a great commission. Go ye therefore, right? Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. All things, right? 
So he commanded them to go make disciples, right? So that's part of the command. So that's what we should have been taught, right? To make disciples. So we are called not just to have an upward relationship with God or a relationship, inward relationship with fellow Christians, but we are called to make disciples of all nations, not some nations, not, you know, every nation, every nation, every nation. So we're called outward growth. Now, our outward growth should stem from our inward and upward relationships. We love God. We show it by obeying his commands. So we're connected to his power through our worship, through the study of our word. And we're connected to one another in a relationship with one another. We are concerned for when we show one another love. They are to know us by the way that we love one another. What's that mean? That means that, listen, even though you offend me, I'm still going to love you, and we're going to go ahead and reconcile this thing. I'm not going to go ahead and glaze over it and look at you and, and be like, oh, no, you offended me, so I ain't even going to talk to you. You don't even exist. You ain't even there. I don't even see you. Love is messy because you got to get involved in people's lives. But the thing is, is that just like with family, you can't just cut family off. I mean, it's, I was like, come on. They're your family. I mean, they, you know, they sometimes they bring you up to here and you want to choke them. I mean, you want to lay hands on them and pray for them. I got an anger issue. Please pray for me. I'm so sorry. My bad. But you love them anyway. And that's just by natural blood. I think that the blood of Christ is thicker than that. We need to be committed to one another. We need to love one another, even through our mess, and be there for one another. So, all this to say, what? All this to say that, you know what? If we want to see the real change in the culture, if we want to see this world impacted with the gospel, it's going to take us. It's going to take all of us. So whether you think yourself a leader or not, it is up to you to commit to not just being a casual reader of God's word, but a scholar of his word. Why? Because when people come asking, why are you guys so different? What, it, what is going on over there? You can give the answer. It's not, hold on a second, let me go get so-and-so to go and explain this to me. That's crazy. That's like believing those infomercials. You go in and buy the product, and you're like, I don't know, but they said it was great. What you? They, what? No. You. It takes you. Fellowship with one another. We need to be committed to fellowshipping with one another. How many times are you like, hey, calling somebody and, and I need you. I need you right now. You know, and they bump you to voicemail because they're too busy. Sometimes I call people and they just, they continue to bump me. And I'm like, man, come on. Then I text you. I email you. Then smoke signals. <laughs> too far? We need to be involved in one another's lives. So that way we know the needs. There's, 
We know the needs. And we can meet those needs one to the other. And lastly, we need to be committed to prayer. I mean, I, I, I cannot stress that enough. If we really want to see the power of God today adding to our numbers, rescuing those that are on their way to hell, we need to be committed to prayer. The power of prayer is amazing. And God has enabled us to use that power. And it's, it's just disheartening to see that it is something that just falls to the wayside, that it's a last resort instead of the first thing that we do. Instead of the first thing that we do to go to God with prayer and go to God with situations and to lay them before him and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? about this. God, intervene in this situation. God, help us through. God, we need you. But instead, sometimes we just, mm, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I don't know about you, but um, I've tried that route and it doesn't work. Just, try, just trying to save you some time. Just trying to save you some time. But if we want to really see God working, active, powerfully in our lives, impacting our culture. We need to be committed. Amen. Amen. Come on and put your hands together for Jesus in this place. I want you to grab your neighbor's hand as we stand and pray together for one another.